This call is being recorded. Welcome, everyone, uh, to the My Tech Decisions podcast. Here we have with us Chris Bryant. Uh, Chris Bryant is the Senior Vice President of Enterprise Applications and Technology for Operation Smile. And Operation Smile came to Tech Decisions uh, through uh, a uh, employee of Polycom, Andy Cuneo, who um, spoke with Chris Bryant and has worked with Chris Bryant and really wanted us to um, kind of learn about what Operation Smile is doing just sort of in the world uh, and also w how they're using technology to help what they're doing in the world. So, uh, Chris, uh, to start out, what is Operation Smile? What do you guys do over there? Well, first of all, Jonathan, thank you for inviting us to participate. We're, we're I'm very pleased to share our story. So we are an international children's charity. Uh, we're just about 35 years old, in fact, celebrating our 35th anniversary next year. Uh, we focus on providing free uh, surgical care for cleft palate, cleft lip, and other facial deformities. Uh, we do that, and we're in about 40 low- to middle-income countries on an annual basis. Uh, we do about 180 missions a year, um, and uh, we'll take care of or operate on anywhere between 15 to 18,000 uh, needy patients in any given year. We've done 300,000 surgeries since our inception 35 years ago. Um, and the other thing important to note is that we are an exclusively a volunteer-based organization. So we tap into a worldwide global audience of about 13,000 medical and clinical volunteers who provide the pre-op uh, surgical services and then post-op services that we provide. Okay. And, and Chris, how did you get involved uh, with Operation Smile? Tell us a little bit about uh, your background and, and how you came to start working for this uh, organization. So, so thanks, Jonathan. So my background is uh, strictly um, IT, but coming at it from a business perspective. So I've had a, a small software company in the past which is ultimately how I got introduced to Operation Smile about 15 years ago. I have four children that have been raised here in Virginia Beach Public Schools. A couple of my kids were involved in student programs uh, with Operation Smile, where we tap into local youth and youth around the world to do fundraising and create awareness about the products uh, or the services we provide. Uh, my passion, I guess, is what led me here. I've always liked IT not for the bits and bytes and the pieces behind the scenes that make it work, but for the uh, net impact it can have. Um, and so we're really excited here at Operation Smile that we get to use technology to extend our reach and take care of more kids. Okay. And, and the way that you're doing that with Operation Smile is to incorporate video conferencing into sort of the model that you guys help have uh, for helping people. So uh, explain that a little bit. Uh, first off, uh, what made you realize that video conferencing could help? Uh, and then further on, how is it actually helping and, and how have you incorporated it? So obviously, you know, surgeries have to be done in person, but so that you guys can evaluate people and, and see who's uh, ready to have surgery. Yeah, so great question, Jonathan. So um... I, I think first and foremost, it's important to note that we're a global organization. Um, and, and as much as we're a mission-based organization, uh, our one of our primary goals is to create sustainable, safe surgery capacity in the countries we serve. So it goes back to that old Chinese adage of if you, you know, 
teach a man to fish, he can feed himself for a lifetime versus handing him a bucket of fish, right? Um, so, so video has played a key role in enabling us to create the on the ground, in country infrastructure around education and training of medical volunteers, of support um, personnel, um, sharing fundraising ideas around the world. Um, so, so we use video in, in many different ways um, and, and we really sort of eased into it. Uh, Polycom has been a tremendous partner. Um, you know, we chose Polycom many years ago before I was ever here. It was effectively based on, um, you know, the superior nature of their products, uh, their backend support. Um, and Polycom has also been quite generous in terms of enabling us to acquire their technologies um, at a price point that we could actually afford. Uh, so to give you some specific examples, Jonathan, we're, we're uh, anecdotally probably the second largest customer at Norfolk International Airport. So we fly a lot of people out of headquarters into these countries to do the work we do. Uh, Polycom mm -hmm. enables us to um, eliminate some of that travel um, and reach out and, and touch people remotely. And it goes beyond just, you know, everybody uses Skype or other video conferencing solutions, but, but through the Polycom technologies um, and the Eagle Eye cameras and these group series units we use, um, it allows us to bring a degree of intimacy back to the group collaboration. So when we've got people sitting in a conference room here, collaborating on strategy in terms of what we're gonna do in Nicaragua, let's say, you can look around the room into Managua um, and read the body language and see what's going on both verbally and non-verbally. That's really, really important to us because, of course, you know, we operate, as I said, 40 countries around the world. Um, so being able to communicate really super effectively and doing that in a culturally sensitive way is really, really important. Um, so, so it's been global communication and collaboration. Uh, regional collaboration. So, you know, we've got Polycom equipment installed in Paraguay and Nicaragua and Colombia, soon to be Honduras. So not only the, can they communicate with headquarters, they can collaborate regionally as well. Um, and then we're also looking to uh, how we can leverage this technology for education and training. Uh, again, that's a part of our sustainability approach. Uh, so we've got relationships, for example, with University of Virginia and Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, relationships at Jima University in Ethiopia. Uh, within the next couple months, we'll be using Polycom technology to allow anesthesia residents that, that we sponsor at Jima University in Ethiopia uh, to participate in rounds with uh, students uh, who are also anesthesia residents at UVA in Charlottesville. Wow, uh, that's really cool stuff. Um, you, you mentioned Polycom products, and, and you mentioned price and both uh, both price and quality as a couple of the reasons that you went with Polycom. But how did you discover Polycom in the first place? Did you uh, seek out other um, providers or manufacturers and, and sort of um, uh, put them against each other and make a decision? Walk me through the process of deciding to go with Polycom products for this. What What is, uh, you know, you mentioned you eased into it, but at the end of the day, it is more of a large-scale sort of video conferencing um, system yeah. that, that, that you're installing throughout. 
Yeah, so so great question, Jonathan. I wish that I could tell you that we went out and did a wholesale review of everybody in the market. It was before my time, but as has been shared with me, I believe that um, the Polycom introduction was made by Microsoft, um, who's also been a very generous technology partner of ours. Um, and so, and getting introduced uh, to, through the Worldwide Health Group at Microsoft, uh, to what turned out to be some really dedicated, committed, and passionate folks in the health sector at Polycom, um, you know, they kind of came and presented us some solutions that were kind of offers we really couldn't refuse. Um, so then we kind of stepped back from that and started looking at their technologies. Um, and there were some things that we really needed our solution to be able to do. And so we kind of evaluated what had been presented as this tremendous gift against those um, requirements and criteria. So if I could step through that real quickly, um, you know, it was important for us uh, to be able to uh, have a cloud-based solution. So we're very small from an IT perspective. We have 175 employees worldwide, 13,000 volunteers, numerous offices. I have a staff of seven people in IT. So being able to rely on a cloud-based solution um, and not worry about um, a, a lot of the issues behind the scene and having to manage that was really important to us because it allows my limited staff to go focus on uh, developing customer-based solutions. Um, the other thing that was really important to us was the ability to connect and collaborate via any sort of device. So when we go to a mission site or even when we're uh, you know, in a conference room somewhere, the ability for someone to bring their own device um, and connect in and collaborate was really important to us. Um, so if, if you're a surgeon, or let's say even better yet, you're a chairman of the board um, and you know, you're in betwixt and between in country somewhere, um, you can dial in and participate in these conferences. And the fact that you can do that from your own personal Android device or iPhone means I don't have to buy you that device. It also means that the money I would have spent on that device goes into providing another surgery for a child. So that was really important to us. Um, I think uh, because of Microsoft's generosity, um, and of course they acquired Skype, which we had all been using as individuals. Uh, we're pretty keen on Skype for business. So the promise of native integration between the Polycom solution um, and Office 365 and specifically Skype for Business, which Microsoft had donated, was really important to us as well. And then I think finally, um, you know, the solution had to be very flexible in terms of supporting a cadre of different application types. So it's not just about day-to-day -day communications or global collaboration, but as I shared earlier, medical education and training. And even as we look to the future, telehealth and telemedicine. Um, so the folks at Polycom have been really good in providing the consultative services to help us look at the work we do and determine how we can better leverage their technology. So to that end, uh, we're pretty excited about uh, some telemedicine initiatives we have going on in Latin and South America. Um, so we're gonna be uh, conducting some trials and some pilots where we're doing speech therapy out of our center in Managua, Nicaragua, which, oh, by the way, um, doesn't offer speech as a discipline or speech therapy as a discipline in that country. 
yet we have very extensive um, and highly experienced pediatric speech therapists in our offices in Columbia. So uh, by the beginning of the year, we'll be running some pilots and tests where kids will come into the center in Managua um, and we'll be doing remote speech therapy from one of our centers in Columbia. Um, so, so when you put it all together, it's device agnostic access, cloud-based solution, um, supportive company integrated with uh, Office 365, and then very flexible um, in terms of the applications we could use it for. So all those things made us, it was sort of like a duh moment, like, yes, let's do this. Um, did that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you provided a lot of insight into sort of the thought process behind uh, the technology that you're you're deciding on and uh, sort of pivoting from there. Uh, you mentioned all these use cases and all these potential use cases and these new ways that you guys are just discovering, oh, we might be able to do this, we might be able to do that with this new technology. Before right. any of that, before you guys purchase it, when you guys are just in your initial stages of saying, hey, it might be a good idea to incorporate video conferencing, we might be able to do some things with it. A lot of my audience, the end user audience, wants to know whether they have been tasked with um, bringing in a new technology or whether they are the driving force behind it. How right. do you communicate not only to your colleagues, not only to your higher-ups, uh, but to those, uh, you know, those that report to you and, and those throughout the company, before a technology is brought in, how do you communicate, okay, you know, it's going to be an initial cost that is going to have long-term uh, benefits for us. But how do you communicate that to the point where someone says, okay, yes, let's do this? Yeah, so, so in effect, what's the value prop? So it's funny, yeah. you know, I spent a lot of my technology career selling technology solutions, uh, but in a lead role for technology at Operation Smile, I still wear my sales hat, right? So we, we have to get people excited um, about these various technologies. Um, and, 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 and the, you know, the financial return on investment, um, but also the things that this technology will enable us to do tomorrow that we can't do today, like extending speech therapy services uh, to a patient who would otherwise uh, perhaps be unable to access those services. Um, so, so I think what we, you know, the, the way we do that and the way we've done that is we articulated a roadmap for where we are today um, to where we want to get to, which included some sort of pie in the sky, holy grail, in-state uh, deliverables or goals way down the road. Um, but the first thing I think was we kept it simple. So, you know, we made an investment. Um, and again, Polycom was very generous in making some of this equipment available to us at a price point we could afford. Um, so that was very helpful. Um, but you know, getting the solutions in place, making sure people know how to use the technology that we do have before we move on to different applications was pretty key and critical. I mean, you know, it, from a nonprofit perspective, um, our, our, our story and the before and after pictures of the children we take care of is pretty compelling from a marketing perspective. Um, so, I won't say that it's easy, but um, we've been pretty successful at getting technology companies to donate technology to us. Um, but if you back up from that and you get a bunch of technology and you don't use it, well then what value have you really provided, right? And, and in some cases, while there may not be a cost, 
there's an opportunity cost or it becomes a distraction. So simple things, Jonathan, like, you know, putting these units in our conference rooms um, and doing little things like a laminated instruction card that says, this is how you unit or use it. So when you come in uh, to uh, launch a call using this technology, it's really, really um, simple and easy to use. Um, so, so that was really important to us. Um, so once you can demonstrate success on those simple sorts of things, and then you can start looking at uh, the cost of travel that you would have otherwise borne were you not able to use this technology, that starts uh, tapping into some of the financial drivers around it. Um, so, so we started with you know, headquarters to global collaboration um, and then worked with some of our partners to tap into some of the education and training things. So again, I, I think one of the takeaways I'd, I'd love for your listeners to have, Jonathan, is that we're not just a surgical organization, right? Um, we're all about creating this sustainable, safe surgery capability um, in the countries in which we operate. So the education and training component of what we do is very critical to us, and we invest significantly in that. So for example, we're one of the world's largest providers of life-saving certifications through our relationship with the American Heart Association. So we do deliver thousands of certifications annually on basic life support, pediatric advanced life support, and cardiac advanced life support. Now we're not using this technology currently to do that, but that's something that we have uh, squarely set in our, in our radar. Did that answer your question? Yeah, very much so. I, I, so Chris Bryant, Senior Vice President of Enterprise Applications and Technology for Operation Smile, thank you so much uh, for your time. And just the last question is, uh, if anyone wants to get involved or donate or, or help out in any way, how can they go about doing that? So thanks for asking that question too, Jonathan. So uh, you can go to operationsmile.org.org um, and you can learn about volunteering if you're a clinical volunteer. Again, we couldn't do the work without our volunteers. Um, if you want to donate, you can donate through that. Um, and then we've got uh, unique country websites around the world as well. Um, so, you know, a, an average surgery, um, and this is really different, but when you add, average it out at the end of the day, a surgery costs about $240. So when you think about um, the power of $240 materially and positively um, altering the life of a child who has been shut in, unable to go to school, unable to participate with people in his community, effectively shunned from the community, $240 and 30 minutes later, um, invited back into his community. It's really, really a small amount of money to, for such a significant impact. So please go check us out, operationsmile.org. I'll be sure to check it out myself. Chris Bryan, everybody, thank you very much. Thanks.